All right. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand clap. Can we give Jesus some praise? Come on, higher vision. Let's go higher. Stay standing just for a second. Keep playing for me, brother. Keep playing for me. I'm glad this church is called Higher Vision, not Lower Vision. Aren't you glad that you have the pastor, pastors? Come on, Jared and Devette and, and the team. Now, 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 listen. The Bible says that we need to give honor to whom honor is due. I don't think honor is given enough personally in the American church. Uh, we don't worship. We don't put pastors above uh, God. But we should honor the men and women that God has put into our lives. Higher vision just didn't happen. There's not a big bang theory, and boom, here we are. I spoke to a man and to a woman and said, come to Visalia and uh, do what I've called you to do. And because of somebody's obedience, you're living in a promised land. Did you hear what I just said? So, so I, 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 I want to honor because it's very important that we do that. And, um, and so I'm grateful for Pastor Jared. I'm grateful for what God is doing in his life and seeing his journey. It's amazing what God is doing. If you weren't here last night, I don't know if they taped it or what they did, but it was absolutely amazing up close and personal. Can you give your pastor, Devet, come on, the team, come on, give them a big hand clap. It's amazing. Higher vision. I love higher vision. You may be seated. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. Good. Come on with those. Those. Uh, what, what brand is that? What, what brand is that? Oh, yeah. It, those are the Beats, the Dre's. Huh? No, what are those? Audio Tech. Ah, they look like Beats. Just say they're Beats. Amen. Well, welcome to the well. Y'all crazy people getting up on Saturday morning to come to church, right? I mean, uh, how many of you are early morning people? You're morning people. Can I see your hand? That's why you're here. You're like, I'm getting up anyway. I might as well go to church, you know? How many of you are not morning people? Can I see your hand? I, I could tell because you were like kind of just like in worship like, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm going to catch up on 30 minutes of sleep. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so glad to be here. Um, uh, Jared, uh, Pastor Jared. I uh, said a little bit about me. Uh, I'm Benny Perez, and, and let me just be up front, right up front, so you're not wondering. Uh, people always come up to me, ask me on my nationality. People come and start speaking Farsi to me. They think I'm Pakistani, think I'm Iraqi. They think uh, I'm Middle Eastern. Uh, nothing wrong with that, uh, but I am Hispanic, Mexican-American. Come on, born and raised right here in SoCal. Can I hear an amen to that? So, uh, so I'm Hispanic. Any Hispanics here this morning? Any Hispanics? All right, five of you, fantastic, so good, so good. Uh, and I am married to a beautiful wife, and she's actually preaching at Copper Point Church in uh, Albuquerque uh, right now. And so my wife is Caucasian, and I am Hispanic, and so I am not racist at all. Uh, I cannot be because I'm married, come on, Caucasian. And uh, as a result of our union, we have three kids at home called Coconuts, come on. You know what a coconut is, brown on the outside, white. Okay, fantastic. We'll just, you're a little slow this morning. It's okay. We're working on it. And uh, so my oldest is 15 years old. His name is Benjamin uh, B.J. Perez. And uh, he's, uh, they say he's a mini-me. 
except he's got hair. And uh, so, and then I have uh, my only daughter, my beautiful daughter. She's 11 years old. Her name is Bella. She is a, really a California girl. She, she's blonde hair, uh, these great hazel eyes. She's 11. She's like five foot four already and uh, model. And it's just crazy. And I forbid her to get married till she's 40. So, uh, and uh, she's just beautiful. I just love her, love her, love her, love her. My two boys, it's okay, but my daughter, I'm telling you right now, my daughter, and they know that already. They say, Dad, it's not fair. It's like, shut up. It doesn't matter. Okay? And if you don't, if you don't shut up, you, you're not going to be able to stay at the house until you're 18. I'm going to kick you out when you're 16 because that's legal in the state of Nevada. Get out. Okay? Uh, but I love my boys too, sort of. And then I have my... <laughs> I have my eight-year-old son, and his name is Benaya. Who is the guy who's playing keyboards here? This this guy. Huh? What's his name? Camden. Thank you, Camden. That haircut is who, what my eight-year-old has. Same haircut. Okay, in fact, he and Camden would be best friends, I'll tell you right now. So my eight-year-old, uh, he's ready into Now, I, I remember I'm from Vegas, so if I overstep my boundaries, just say he's from Vegas, okay? Just, I'm, just saying, I'm just throwing it out there right now. My son uh, is into tattoos, and he always has all these tattoos on him. And of course, they're, they're not permanent. At least I, one of them's not washing off. I don't know what happened, but it's okay. But he's a Harley-riding, Jesus-loving, just crazy, loving life kind of a guy. And so that's my life, and, uh, and, and I love it. Uh, my first priority is always to my family, and uh, my disciples, uh, my, my primary disciples, obviously, are my kids, and they all love Jesus, and my son's already teaching. My son has already preached his first message. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's amazing, and my daughter just tried out for the worship team for the children's ministry, and uh, she made it. I don't know how. That might have been some encouragement. Come on, like on The Voice, I turned my chair and I made everybody else turn their chair, okay? And, uh, and so, so I, I come here uh, not because I don't have anything else to do. I'm not looking for a preaching gig. I'm not looking just to, hey, will you invite me? Will you invite me? Uh, I have a, a great church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Anybody been to Las Vegas? Anybody been to Las Vegas? It's not a sin. You could raise your hand. You've been to Las Vegas. How many of you gambled? Come on, just one slot machine. Come on. Oh, honest person right there. It's okay. You, you, you don't, it's okay. You're just like, Jesus, oh, can I raise my? All I got to say, if you hit it big, you tithe here, but you give an offering to me at the church, LV, okay? It's all good, all right? So uh, as a result of me living in Vegas and starting a church, it changes you. It changes you when you have exotic dancers coming to your church. It changes you when you have women caught up in sex trafficking at your church, it changes you when you have people that life has really strangled really the life out of them. It changes you when you realize, my goodness, these are the kind of people that Jesus really loves. Um, that, that you say, well, I'm glad those women come into your church and I'm, and I'm glad they're out of the industry. Can I be honest with you? Women are coming to my church that are not out of the industry. They're still dancing on the weekends. You say, well, wait a second. How, how could that be? Because let me tell you this, my friends, I believe the gospel is you can come as you are. But the power of the gospel is you won't stay as you are. 
One of the main things that Jesus was accused of is, is man, that guy's hanging out with crazy people. And, and, and Jesus said, well, I'm a friend of sinners. That's, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a friend of sinners. I, and by no means do I condone sin. By no means do I say just go live however you want to live. But when I live in Vegas and I see that strip and I, I know what's going on and there's 2.2 million people in my city and I see what... I see the city that everybody would give up on, and, and, and people are saying, why are you going to Las Vegas? Why don't you go, you know, to Dallas or to Charlotte? Why don't you go with your gift? I mean, you could go to a lot of places. Why are you going to Las Vegas? And, and this is a word for somebody here, maybe a pastor here. You never really decide where you're going. Because if, you're, if God does not call you to a place, you will never stay in that place. Because, listen... God's grace is the only thing that could keep you in God's space. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, so pardon me if I'm a little bit out there. Pardon me if I'm a little bit because I've seen things and, 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 and experienced things living in the Las Vegas Valley. And I'm grateful for being there. Somebody said, I can't believe you moved there and having your family there. And, and I can't believe that you're, that you're going to have your kids in Las Vegas. Well, my, my response to them is, number one, Las Vegas isn't raising my kids. I'm raising my kids. Number two, let me just, just level the playing field. Last time I checked, there's sin even in Valencia. Just saying. Right? Yeah. There's even sin in Kansas, Dorothy. Come on now. Because sin has never been about a place. It's, sin is in, in every one of us. It, it, it's, it's who we are apart from Jesus. And, and so I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of background, you know, and, and uh, uh, remember I'm Hispanic. So if I start getting a little bit crazy and I, and I start getting really passionate, just shake your head and say it's the Tabasco. It's the Tabasco. That's all it is. I was praying this morning. And, uh, and I, I felt like I have a word specifically for you this morning. And it's interesting that a lot of the worship songs were talking about, you know, God's love. And, and then somebody exhorted us about the love of God. And so I want to talk to you this morning. And I'm going to try and talk mostly, but then I'll kick into preaching. Here's the title of the message. You make God happy. You make God happy. In a society that doesn't have a great revelation of who God is, it's kind of an oxymoron to say that you make God happy. If you would ask the average person that is not part of a church or not in, in a relationship with Jesus, a lot of people would think, oh, no, I don't make God happy. I mean, it's like, it's like well, if I'm ready to do something wrong, God's going to get me. And, and I understand some of that that thinking, but when you come into Christ, you actually make God happy. When you understand your right relationship with God himself, you could actually declare something that a lot of people can't say, that you make God happy. God did not come and send his son to the world because he hated the world, but the Bible says, for God so what? Come on, for so God so what? You, you cannot love that which you hate. God God loves us. God loves you when you're not even saved, and, and he loves you unconditionally. He, he loves you. The crazy thing about this is, is we tell people, hey, bro, God loves you, and they're not even saved. 
Then when they get saved, it seems like we put more conditions on the unconditional love of God. I am convinced that God's love is so extravagant, so crazy, so audacious that literally, apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot fathom how great, come on, how high, come on, how deep, come on, how wide the love of God is for us. For what shall separate us, come on, church, from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord? Can I hear an amen to that right now? So I want to call your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. And depends on whatever translation you want to read out, read out of, I will read out of the ESV translation. And, uh, and I want to just, just deal with uh, something just a little bit this morning as we venture in on going deeper this weekend. And I pray that you don't miss uh, anything that's happening uh, today and, and, and this afternoon after lunch. Come and see, come and sow, come and just spend time in God's presence. Then tonight I'll be preaching a, a, a message that's different than Sunday morning. And in fact, I, I may just preach, uh, I'm going to preach a different message tonight. I may preach a different message uh, at the first service on Sunday morning, a different message in the second service on Sunday morning, and then we'll end with a different message, come on, on Sunday night. Now, understand, I'm from Vegas, and we like buffets. How many of you guys are with me, right? I like buffets because I could skip all the veggies that my mom made me eat and eat what I really want to eat. Come on now. And so, so I, I want to encourage you not to miss anything that God is going to be doing, no matter who is speaking, no matter who is ministering. Book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee, the Jordan, to John to be baptized by him. And John would be would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill, for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus, come on, how many, you didn't know Jesus was Mexican, did you? He's not, he's, he was really, he's really a Jew. I'm just, that's a joke. Okay, let's not, okay, let's keep going. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were what? Is it up there? Okay, you don't have it. Okay. The heavens were open. Somebody say open. They were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my, okay, my translation said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. Most translations would say, this is my beloved son, NLT, ESV, RSV. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, with whom I am well pleased. Father, I just pray for the next 25 minutes uh, that you would just speak something dynamic. And, and Lord, I, I just sense, Lord, that there's something so incredible happening in a higher vision. Father, I'm blown away by your grace on this place. And, and, and Lord, I, I just thank you. What they've seen in the first 10 years is incredible. But Lord, what took them 10 years Father, I just believe by your grace, by your power, let them see it happen in one year. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. When I say to you, Father, what comes to your mind? When I say to you, Father, what, what's the first image that comes to your mind? For some of you, it, it is, man, I didn't have a really good father. For some of you, I had a great father. I have a great father. 
For some of you, it's like, man, I didn't even have a father at all. Some of you, yeah, I had a dad, but he wasn't really there. So when I say the word father to you, what, what, what it comes to your mind? It is important for you to understand that your view of God is influenced by the type of relationship you had with your father. Without me going too deep on this, it is a fact that a lot of people struggle because they think God the Father is like the earthly father. God is not a bigger version of your earthly father. Even if you have a great father, a loving father, an incredible father, God is still not a bigger version of him. A person's perception or understanding of the nature of God would determine their level of faith in his ability or desire to help them. Listen to this. If, for example, you believe God to be a father who is distant, stern, and harsh, you will hold back from asking for anything from him. But if you, view, if you know him as he is, come on, loving, kind, gentle, giving, generous, just, and a liberal father, then you will not hesitate to ask from him all that you need. When you study the scripture, you have to understand that Jesus came not to reveal God, but he came to reveal Father. And this is, is paramount to your spiritual maturity. I think it's paramount to you going deeper into God is to recognize how significant God the Father is and who he is and why that is important to your life. I grew up here in SoCal. I have a great uh, mom and dad, and I have a brother. He's the exact opposite of me. Uh, my brother uh, fought in MMA. Uh, my father, uh, my, my, my brother, excuse me, uh, was in the Junior Olympics. My brother competed at the highest level of wrestling and football. And so he's an incredible athlete, big, rip, buff. Well, I'm the exact opposite. Uh, you know, he's ugly. Uh, he... Well, he has no personality. It's like talking to a rock. Well, uh, and, and, and I have three sisters. And, and, but, but what happened was when I was younger, my, my biological father uh, he, and my mom, they, they, they broke up. They divorced, and, and he went his own way and kind of left us four kids. And, and then God brought you know, uh, into my mom's life, into my life, my stepdad, who's really my dad, who married my mom with four kids, and, and, and uh, they weren't even saved. I mean, I'm the first Christian in my family, by the way, okay? I'm the first uh, graduate uh, in my family. I'm the first pastor in my family. I'm the first everything. Uh, I'm the firstborn son in my family. Amen. I'm the first best-looking guy in my family. I'm the best, yeah. Now, and, and, and so, so, so for a time, I, I was kind of messed up, and, and then God brings this, this man to my life, and he's my dad. So I understand what it means to come from brokenness. And some people say, well, you know, Benny, I, I, I would be kind of cool in my life if, if I had a better, better you know, past, a, a better upbringing. And, and one time I was dealing with this guy, and he's saying, you know, Benny, I, I wish, you know, I had a, a better family that I came from or, or a better dad. Now, my wife on the other side, uh, she comes from six generations of preachers. That's awesome. Pastor Jared has a great heritage and a great lineage, and my wife does too. And, 
and my wife is an incredible preacher. She's actually better than me, and my wife could sing and lead worship, and she's creative, and she writes books, and she's like a 10-string guitar. She's phenomenal. I'm a one-string guitar. Only thing I could do is yell, right? And, and so she comes from a great lineage, and, and if you look at my lineage or maybe your lineage, and as I was telling this guy, he goes, well, you know, my dad's an alcoholic, and my dad was a drug addict, and my dad was this and this and this. And, and this guy tells me, and sociologists and psychologists are telling me that I have a propensity to be like my father. I said, the problem with that is they're comparing you to the wrong father. Are you going to catch that in just a moment? Because when you become born again, come on, you have a new heavenly father. Come on, you have a new life. Come on, you're a new creation. Come on, you have a new mind, a new mission, a new vision, a new passion. Everything about you is brand new. So, 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 so I, I, I feel so compelled this morning because I, I, I believe that in this group here that most of you have a revelation of this, but maybe for just the one or two that don't, I want to speak to you about your heavenly father that you make God happy. We see the text here in Matthew chapter 3, and it's the baptism of Jesus. And Jesus coming to the River Jordan. The River Jordan is very significant in the Bible. It's the river of transition. It's a river of change. It's a place where significant things happen as going from Egypt into the promised land. It's Elijah giving the mantle to Elisha, and he goes and he strikes the river Jordan. It says, where's the God of Elijah? And he crosses over, and now he does twice as many miracles. It's an incredible river, and here we find Jesus coming in to this river, and now the Bible says that he tells his cousin John, I want you to baptize me. And John is overwhelmed because he understands who Jesus is. And, and Jesus says, wait a second, I, I should not be baptizing you. You actually should be baptizing me. Now, we know that Jesus is not being baptized for the repentance of sins because Jesus, Son of God, never sinned. He was a perfect God-man that came to fulfill what we cannot fulfill. But Jesus says, no, the reason why you need to baptize me, it's because we have to fulfill all righteousness. We, we have to actually do what the Word of God says to do. See, I think obedience is a smart thing. I'm just saying, I, I think it's actually smart to obey God. Uh, because if you don't obey God, that means you're on your own. And I could just speak for myself. Benny Perez has jacked his life up. When I do what I want to do, it's usually not a good thing. And then I have the audacity to blame God. Hey, God. is like, hey, man, I told you what to do, but you, I told you to go right. You went left. Hey. But I, my grace will be there, and I can help bring you back on the, on the right path. And so Jesus, though, he is going, and now he's going to get baptized. And something significant happens because when he goes into the water, the heavens split, the Holy Spirit comes. But what really is significant is in verse 17, it says this, that the Father speaks from heaven. It is a voice from heaven, and and. and and now there is not a person, you don't see him, you don't see God the Father, but you hear his voice. God's voice, the Father's voice, is the most important voice you will ever hear in your life. You see, there are many voices in our lives. There are voices of your past. There are voices of your present. There are voices of your parents. There are voices of other people, there's your own voice, and the voices that you hear are not 
as important as the voice, the voices you believe. I'll say that again. The voices that you hear are not as important as the voices you believe. See, because many of us can hear lots of voices, but the one voice that is the most important voice is the voice that you believe. Many of us struggle not because of voices that we have heard, but the voices that we choose to believe. So let's go there for a second. I grew up in Southern California. I turned 50 this year. So I understand racism. There were a lot of voices when I was growing up in Pico Rivera, California, which is at that time was 98% Hispanic. And now it's, I think it's diversified because it's 96% Hispanic. Come on. I went to a predominantly white Caucasian school. Now, understand I'm not racist. My wife is white. I am brown. And we have three coconuts. But I grew up hearing voices saying, oh, you're a so-and-so. Oh, go back to Mexico. Oh, how long did it take you to swim across the border? Oh, why are you here? Shouldn't you be going pushing a lawnmower? Oh, and I hear all these voices, all these voices, all these voices. And when I, I, I look back at my life, if I'm not careful, it's not the voices that I've heard, but i got to continue to say I don't believe those voices. The voices are so significant that you have to make a choice about which voice is going to influence your life. See, God the Father speaks from heaven, and God is still speaking today through his word. So I want to say it this way. God's word is God's voice. People say, I wonder what God thinks. You don't have to wonder. He wrote it down. The, the Bible isn't just some historical book. Come on, this Bible is God's thoughts that he wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit through men and women to write it down. So I don't read this book as some kind of history book. I read it as God's love letter, God's instructions for me so I could live with a higher vision and believe God for more and believe that I actually serve in Ephesians 3.20, God. Come on, can I hear an amen to that? And so the primary voice in my life, in your life, must be the Word of God. God's Word is true whether you believe it or not. Now let me tell you to you this way. God's Word, when it is believed, does not become true. Something like, oh my God, I, I don't know about that. Say that again. God's Word, when, it's, when it is believed, does not become true. It's already true, whether you believe it or not. But when you believe what God says, it becomes transformational. Did you catch that? See, because everything about God is about transformation. Okay, so let me tell you to this way. Book of Colossians, I'm going somewhere. Book of Colossians, it says that he has translated us from the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. 
So instantaneously, when you get born again, you get translated. Now, what, what does that mean? Does anybody remember seeing Star Trek? No, the original one. Not the new generation. That's not Star Trek. I'm talking about this one. Come on, I'm talking about Spock. Come on, live long and what? Thank you. Fantastic. You, you understand the Priceline guy was actually an actor before that? William Shatner, he was always Priceline. You don't watch TV, okay? Let's, let's keep going. When you get born again, it's like, beam me up, Scotty. At that moment, you get, you get literally moved from one domain into another domain. But here's the problem. Just because God instantaneously takes you in the kingdom of darkness and puts you in the kingdom of light, y'all, y'all still keep thinking like you're here, even though you're here. So, so what the Bible teaches is you've been translated, but it also teaches in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how does your mind get renewed? It gets renewed by the voice of God, the word of God. And as you now believe the word of God, it's not true because you believe it's always true, but now it becomes true and transformational. And so the voice of God is so important. So God's word, which is truth, brings transformation when it is believed. And now belief always precedes behavior. I say it to you this way. Right believing leads to right living. Okay? It's not right behaving leads to right believing. That's why you can incarcerate people and they could live right as long as they are in prison. Then why do they get out of prison? They are not corrected because their thinking hasn't changed. So when you have God come and transform you and God begins to speak to you and you begin now to understand this. It begins to change literally who you are. Come on from the inside out. So what does God the Father proclaim? Here's what he proclaims. Watch this. This is my son. The Father makes a radical declaration when he says, this is my son, my beloved son. The Father makes his identification with Jesus. The greatest thing that you need to understand is your identity is not wrapped up in what you do, who you know, how much money you have, but it is wrapped up in who you belong to. So he says that I am his father. The greatest impact that you can ever receive in the earthly realm is when your father gives you affirmation is when your father says son. That's why I love pastor, pastor's father. I watched him. I, I watched him. I, I watched him last night. I, I, where I grew up, I had to watch everything. Come on. <laughs> Do they got a blade? Do they got a knife? Do they got a, a gun? Do they got a chain? What do they got? I don't know, man. Orale, you better be careful because they're going to get you. See, I can go there. I can go there, but there's not too many Hispanics there, okay? So we'll just keep going. I'll stay white for you, okay? Um, and, so, and so I'm watching Pastor over here, Pastor, Pastor Ming. I watched him. He came in. He greeted. He hugged. He loved. 
He affirmed. The granddaughter said, grand, one of the granddaughters said, hey, hey, Papa. And he stopped and he hugged her. He loved her. Now, just saying that, I'm almost crying. That is powerful. It is a father affirming a son. A father affirming daughters and granddaughters. And there she is right there. If you look at moments like that, some of you say, I never had that. I wish I had that. Because security, I feel something. Security, I'm going to speak to some men. Security, you will never find security in your accomplishments. Let me speak to some pastors. You say, well, if my church gets bigger, then I'll feel better about myself. It is a, it, you're chasing the wind. Because you were never meant to be affirmed by things in creation. You were only meant to be affirmed by your creator. Pastor, thank you. I'm going to stop. Thank you, pastor. Thank you for preaching without words. Thank you for leading, not from a platform, but with your life. The cry in America is we need more fathers, not just teachers. And so, so now we see this public declaration that God the Father gives to his son. And he says this, he says, That's, this is not just my son, this is my beloved son, my dearly loved son. The voice says that I love him. He is my beloved son. The father's heart is one that's deep and enduring and has love for his son. And I want to say it to you this way. The father's love preceded anything Jesus ever did. Jesus has not done any miracles. He hasn't walked in any water. He hasn't cast any demons out. He has not done performed anything. And yet he goes in, and before Jesus says anything, he comes out of the water, and God the Father has the audacity to say, yeah, this is not just my son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We are loved by God for who we are, not what we do. So now we are not performing to be loved. We are now loved, so we live life with a purpose and a meaning. Now, I'm going to say this because it's biblical. If you are in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, the same way that God the Father loves Jesus is the same way God the Father loves you. Now, no, no, you need to catch that because some of you need to catch this. And you say, well, I already know this. Then it's not a revelation because I, I can't get enough of this. That God the Father right now, Benny Perez standing here right now, Benny Perez this morning, praying this morning. Benny Perez when I'm acting crazy. Benny Perez when I'm not acting the way that I should act. Listen to me. God the Father still loves me and still loves you exactly the way he loved and loves Jesus. Exactly. 
God says that we're part of the beloved, that we're part of this incredible family. That now God is the one that says, no, it's all centered in me. It's all centered in me. I love you. I love you. And if you catch this revelation, now my identity is wrapped up in what God says about me. What does God say about me? When you realize what God says about you now, there a revelation comes, and now you begin to live life in response to God. I respond to God's love. I respond to all that God is doing. I live for the glory and honor of his name. Why? Because this is a God who sent his one and only son. And watch me, Jesus died as you on the cross so you can live as him on the earth. This is an incredible revelation to understand if we're going to go deeper, we can come now and ask God why? Because he's a loving God. He says, Jesus said, if your earthly fathers give good gifts to them that ask, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? I am so convinced you cannot deter me from it. Some people say, you've been, you went out the deep end, man. You're too crazy about that stuff. You're too wild about God's love. You're too wild about God's grace. I got saved by grace through faith not of my works, lest any man or woman should boast. So if God saved me by grace, he keeps me by grace. I am loved by grace. I am loved by God, not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done in Christ Jesus. I love it because, can you imagine, that would be a great baptism. Wouldn't it be cool next time we do baptism, the roof splits open? That'd be cool. When I design our new church, I'm going to have that. I'm going to have one of those retractable roofs. And then we're going to have a dove that's specially trained that's going to come and land. I mean, that would be a good idea, right? That would be cool, right? I mean, we're, we're a creative, visual. I mean, look at this big old LED wall that you got. I mean, in fact, next time you should do like baptisms up here and somebody comes out of the water, a dove comes in the LED wall and lights on them. And then Pastor Jared does the voiceover. This is my beloved son. I mean, how awesome is that? See, what we would have got to focused on because we're visual is we would focus on, oh, look at the dove. We're visual, right? We're visual. Oh, man, the heavens open. Whoa, a dove comes. Whoa, that was not the most significant part. The most significant part is the voice. Come on, it's the voice. Because it's the voice. Your eyes and what you perceive can lead you astray. But the voice, God's word, keeps you grounded. Are you hearing me? He comes, he comes, he said, this is, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let me retranslate for you. This is my son who makes me happy. I and you make God happy. Okay, let me, let some of you, you're really in a bind it, some of you. It's a guy in the fourth row on the third seat over. So let me work with you, sir, just for a second. That's a joke. I don't even know who's there. Okay, it's actually a woman, so that makes you feel better, okay? I'm a dad. Even when my kids are acting crazy, i like, but I still love you. 
It's like, Benoya! And he goes, sorry, Dad. Oh, I love you. I don't know why, but I, I, I feel this for some people here as we get ready to wrap it up. Because a good preacher always closes seven times. I'm not looking at your pastor. He may only do it five times, but I do it seven times. And then what the next thing you do is the keyboardist comes up. That, that, it, that's just for you to feel like we're closing. That's all it is. Somebody say, I make God happy. For some of you, it's hard for you to say that. Because instinctively when we say that, Another voice comes and says, well, you make them happy until you did what you did last night. Now, I'm not here to say that God condones everything, but let's go to the Bible. What shall separate me from the love of God? Through a long list of extremes, he ends up saying something that's really, really surprising. He says, nothing shall separate you. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, here's the crazy thing. Are you ready for this? What happens when Jesus comes out of the water, Spirit of God comes, there's an anointing. We heard about it last night, one of the best messages I ever heard on the life of David. It was absolutely spectacular, amazing, phenomenal. He's going to come preach it at my church. And if he says no, it's okay. I have the notes. I'll preach it and everybody think it's great. Well, he preached it. No, he didn't. God preached it through him. So I tell people, this is what God gave me. I don't tell them that it came through him. God gave it to me. I hear what I'm saying? Well, it's copyrighted. That's right. That's right. Copy it right. Well, you're plagiarizing. Yep, your eyes were made to plagiarize. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm about to show you something that some of you maybe have never seen. What does the Spirit of God do when Jesus comes out of the water? Jesus is led by the Spirit where? Where? Into the where? He sends him to Vegas. Come on, let's just relate. He sends him to Vegas. So there goes Jesus. Jesus jumps in his car and driving by himself up the I-15. And gets to Vegas. So all of a sudden now, Satan takes him, puts him on top, shows him all the strip, you know. And he goes, well, let's go down to the buffet. And, and he says, hey, I know you're hungry, Jesus. Command all this buffet to be brought to your table. <laughs> Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every uh, uh, word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then, and then Satan says, well, if, if, if you're the son of God, and he gives him a second. If you're the son of God. Now, here's the crazy thing. That's not what God said to Jesus. Satan is only quoting part of what God the Father said. Because God the Father said, this is my beloved son. Satan purposely left out the beloved. And he said, if you're really the son, then earn and deserve Perform. 
perform to show you're a son. But because Jesus was already rooted and grounded in God's unconditional love for him as a son, he didn't have to perform to become a son. This is, I'm telling you right now. When you're secure in God's love for you, it's amazing how deep you can go in the realms of God. I feel something. The biggest battle I've had to fight is this battle of trying to earn and deserve. Try and do more. Try and do this and do that. The more I realized Jesus has done it all, and now I respond to the finished work of Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? And now I begin to enter into this vast, incredible realm of the Spirit that was opened up to me because of Jesus. And now the more I, I, I just dwell on God's incredible love for me, God's incredible love and what he's done for me, that God now has forgiven me, that God now has justified me, that God has made me right with him. And now what happens is, is I'm entering into this realm of all things are possible with God. Because ultimately I must recognize it does not rest on me. Can I hear an amen to that? That ultimately, watch me now, I step into this realm and all of a sudden I say, God, I trust you. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to, I don't have to somehow, Lord God, make it happen. Lord God, I'm coming after you because I want to have a greater intimacy with you. I want to know you greater, God. You see, what God does for you is not greater than God himself. We, we have to understand that God wants to do signs and wonders and miracles and all this stuff. And we're seeing more things happen. I'll tell you miracles and, and financial breakthroughs and all kinds of stuff that happens. But, but I used to get caught up into so much of that. And I'm saying, God, I, I really want you. I, I really want you. And it's incredible because the more I understand him, the more everything begins to flow. And so things begin to happen, and I'm watching, and I'm moving, and I'm moving in a realm, and you're moving around. And, man, you, you, when you get this revelation, the devil comes to you and says, oh, you can't come tonight. You can't lift your hands because you argue with your wife on the way to church. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah, get it right with your wife. But, friends, don't let the devil try and keep you from entering in because if you say, oh, no, i got to be totally perfect and, and get everything right all the time, you're going you're gonna to fail. You're going to mess up. I'm not here condoning sin. What I'm here to say is somebody paid the price for your sin. And when you look at Jesus, I am fully convinced as we look at Jesus and we understand the finished work of Jesus, it does not empower us to live in sin, but it breaks the power of sin in our life. Come on, and I can live free. Come on, I can live for the glory of God. I can say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you, Lord, that I make you happy. Yeah. Ah, maybe, it's, maybe it's too out there, but I used to say, man, I better preach good to feel good about myself. Now I say, I, I want to preach the best that I can for the people. And regardless if, if I hit it out of the ballpark or not, as long as I did my best and I said, Jesus, were you glorified? Can I hear an amen to that, right? Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. I used to be really competitive when I was younger in ministry. And um, 
And I'm like, why? We're all part of the same kingdom. That's why I love seeing pastors last night from other churches coming. Because higher vision, our church, our church, yeah, because when I come and preach, he's my pastor. I'm under his authority. Pastor Jerry could say, tonight, Benny, preach 20 minutes and give a three-minute altar call and you're done. I said, fantastic. I'm not even going to sweat. That's easy. Because I've learned this. Submission to authority is the way to true freedom in the kingdom. 